I'm joined today by Richard Pearson of AXA Framlington, who's the lead manager on our Balance Managed Fund. Richard, hello to you. Richard, I wanted to start by talking about uh, the UK market index. Clearly, it's recently traded at new all-time highs. Do you think it's still a good time for investors to put new money into the market? I think it depends on your time on your timetable. Uh, taking a medium-term view, three to five years, uh, I think this is a, a sensible time to invest in equities. When you look back at the last peak in uh, the end of 1999, valuations were uh, extreme. Um, ridiculously overvalued. I, I don't see that today. Uh, equities don't look cheap, however, based on long-term averages, but they're not as expensive as they, was, as they were in 99. And in terms of the alternatives, equities to us still look very attractive, uh, particularly compared to government bonds. Uh, and dividends, of course, are, are still a major contributor to equity market returns. What's your view on, on, on the stability of dividend payments going forward? I think the outlook for dividends in, in 2015, um, certainly for the UK, uh, for most of the, the major markets, is actually quite good. Uh, companies are financially in great shape. Uh, their balance sheets are strong. Profits are uh, at very high levels. Uh, if you look at the UK, which is a major com a component of the income that uh, we earn uh, for the James's Place Fund, um, dividends should grow this year by between 5 and 8%. Um, the only sort of caveat I have for the UK uh, dividend uh, scene is that when you look at the, where the dividend com dividends come from, the top 15 companies um, produce about 57% of the income. That's a huge bias okay. towards the big stocks. Yes. And within that, you have a, a lot of miners, uh, oil stocks, uh, and banks. So perhaps uh, not quite as uh, exciting an area um, as, um, uh, as traditional growth stocks might um, provide. Uh, and I was going to pick up on that point on, on the oil stocks because clearly BP and Shell are, are big dividend producers. Um, they're some of the largest stocks in the market. Do you think the dividends are sustainable at those, those companies? I think the dividends are sustainable as long as the, the oil price um, doesn't lurch to, uh, uh, down again. Um, I've seen the, the top managements of BP and Shell in the last few weeks um, and also incidentally Rio Tinto in the, in the mining space. Um, all three companies um, said that their balance sheets are so strong that even if in the case of the oil companies the dividends are not covered this year, they'll pay them and they may even grow them. Um, now clearly if you know, $40 a barrel becomes $30 a barrel, you know, they, they may think again, but um, Shell hasn't cut its dividend for a long time, even when prices were lower than they are today. And, and the fund currently holds about 20% in, in fixed income and, and cash. Um, how is that allocated between the different parts of uh, the fixed income market? I look at the, the, the cash and the bonds uh, as a, an insurance policy to smooth out the volatility in equities. We take the view that it is the equity part of the portfolio which will uh, add the most value over the long term. Um, but the bonds and cash are conservatively invested in um, government bonds and cash. Now, I would normally expect to have about 20% in in bonds and cash. Today we've got 22%. Uh, um, and normally the cash would be quite low. Uh, most of it would be in medium to long dated um, government stocks. Now we have a total reversal of that situation uh, today. We've got about 13.5% in cash and 9% in bonds. And that just reflects how low government bonds yields are. And two stocks in the portfolio that, that are big cash producers and, and, <coughs> and reasonable dividend pairs are AstraZeneca and Glaxo. How do you compare the opportunities for those two companies compared to their overseas competitors? Uh, 
Well, we clearly look at uh, the overseas peers, um, and there are some very good um, uh, overseas businesses uh, in the same space, and we own some of them in the other international uh, equity portfolios. But um, my view on both AstraZeneca and, uh, and GlaxoSmithKline is that these are both world-leading uh, businesses. And I think that was um, uh, reinforced last year when we had the bid for AstraZeneca um, uh, from Pfizer. Pfizer bid £55 a share. Uh, for AstraZeneca, uh, which uh, two or three years ago was very much unloved. Um, we um, added to our position there um, a couple of years ago because we felt, felt that the drug's pipeline was really very attractive. And I'm sure that's what attracted uh, Pfizer. Now, Pfizer was fought off, um, and the current price is £43, so you know, well below uh, what Pfizer thought it was worth then. So I'm pretty confident that uh, that will prove to be a good long-term investment. Uh, GlaxoSmithKline, to some extent, is another company uh, in transition. Um, it recently sold its oncology franchise to Novartis for a huge sum and bought Novartis's vaccines business, which is added uh, to its very strong franchise. And it's just announced a joint, well, at the same time, it announced a joint venture also with um, Novartis uh, to merge their consumer healthcare business. Uh, that, that's a huge global business, and I think a lot of synergies will come out, out of that deal. And probably in the long term, um, Glaxo will end up owning the lot. And um, going on to stocks that you don't own in the portfolio, um, I believe the fund, I believe I'm right in saying the fund hasn't got any exposure to supermarkets at the current time. We saw the Morrison's um, numbers over the past uh, couple of days, which were, were, were quite weak. Um, is there, a, is there a time when you would have another look at the supermarket sector and, and um, put some of uh, our clients' money to work in that part of the market? Well, never say never, but I, I think it's, it's going to be some way off, I feel. Uh, I mean, we've been pretty a a negative on the UK food retailers for, for quite a long time, for some years, in fact. Um, and it was just a, a, the analysis that we did of, of their business suggested to us that they built too much space. Um, the, the, the big uh, companies, Tesco's, uh, uh, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, um, had invested huge sums in very big out-of-town uh, shopping centres. Uh, there are two aspects to our, our bear case. It's that, building too much space. Um, I think as people's shopping habits have changed a bit, we no longer do the monster weekly or fortnightly shop. Increasingly, um, people f uh, shop more frequently closer to home. Um, and I think that the other point, which in many ways is more powerful, is that the competition that's come in from the discounters, um, you know, we saw during the recession that people were very keen to save money. So the Aldi's and Lidl's of this world that provided you know, perfectly decent uh, produce, cheaper, uh, have grown a huge market share. And we have some of our own homegrown discounters, uh, Poundland, B&M stores. Uh, I own Poundland because I just think it's a lot of growth potential over the next few years, not just in the UK, but in Europe as well. And finally, Richard, I wanted to talk about the outlook for 2015. Um, obviously, there is uh, an election coming up later <coughs> in this year, and, and um, I think it would be fair to conclude there's quite a lot of political uncertainty. Um, how much do you think that will be reflected in the way um, uh, it, 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 towards investor sentiment? I think day by day we'll get some volatility as a result. The media will focus on it increasingly as we get to the 5th of, uh, of May. 
I think in the long run, my view is that politics doesn't have a significant impact on the valuation of companies. Um, in the global world that we're living in today, um, big companies don't ha have to operate in the UK uh, or France, you know, as a classic recent example. And if the environment becomes unattractive to businesses, they will move their, either their head offices or their operations somewhere else. So I'm, I'm less concerned about whether it's um, David Cameron in number 10 or Ed Miliband. Short term, I, I can see that you know, it's, it's going to generate s some noise, volatility. But the other thing which actually makes me perhaps sleep more easily at night is that when you look at the UK market, um, about two thirds of the earnings are international. Um, so the damage that a, a badly run government, you know, a, a silly government can do is much, much less um, to the quoted sector than perhaps it is to the economy overall. Um, and, and if it's, as the pundits say, a hung parliament, perhaps neither party is going to be able to do anything major that's going to change people's perceptions of where the economy is or, or, or how it might perform. So I'm reasonably sanguine about uh, about the politics. I mean, further ahead, you've got the, if it is a conservative government, um, perhaps people might worry about a, a Euro referendum, which I think probably might be a little bit more worrying to the city. Um, but again, that, 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 that's some way off. Um, I think short term, it's how companies are performing, their valuations are going to be more important than who's in number 10. On that point, uh, I think we'll end it there. Richard Pearson, thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Chris. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.